Welcome to the Ninth Arch, a Masonic podcast that takes a further look at the three York Rite degrees called the Council of Cryptic Masons. Here you will find interviews and discussions on topics and research papers related to the Cryptic Council. The views and opinions of the speakers are that of their own and may not reflect the views and opinions of the Grand Council. Follow us on our Facebook page for further discussions after the show. Welcome back, everybody, to the second episode of the Ninth Arch podcast. Uh, this is uh, one of your hosts again, uh, Derek Helfer. And with me today, I have our illustrious companion, Gary Jasker, who is probably one of the foremost Masonic scholars in Illinois, if not uh, the top, and probably the United States. And then I also have with me illustrious companion, Jeff Estes. And I believe, Jeff, you were the uh, former secretary of the Illinois Lodge of Research, if I'm correct. You are correct. That's right. So we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of knowledge here that we're willing to share with you guys. So we're going to move forward here. Gary's got a little presentation he's going to give us. So I'll turn it over to, to Gary and, and let him go. And please feel free to ask any questions that you have. Go to our Facebook page that uh, we'll get set up for you and uh, ask any questions that you have. But in this case, I'll turn it over to Gary. Thank you, Derek. Um, the lesson today is on Moses' tabernacle. The portable tabernacle was built in the wilderness by the Israelites around 1450 BC after Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the 10th commandments. When on the move, the ark was 2000 cubits between it and the camp, a distance called a Sabbath, Sabbath day's journey. A cubit in Hebrew is amah, based on the distance from the elbow to the finger tips approximately 18 inches in ancient lake. People were shorter than the 21.6 inches they are today. The camp was set up in a perfect 12 mile square, spaced one mile distance between each tribe. The tabernacle in the center surrounded by the tents of the priests and Levites. The tabernacle was the first temple dedicated to God and the first resting place of the Ark of the Covenant. There were 100 sockets that supported the walls, symbolizing Abraham's age at Isaac's birth, each socket weighing one talent, approximately 17, 75 pounds each of donated silver in the shape of unfinished pyramids, similar to the one on the back of the dollar bill, with a base of 0.9 cubits square. They made the, board, uh, they made the boards out of shitting wood Standing up, the length of the board was 10 cubits and the breadth of the board one and a half cubits covered in gold. One talent of gold weighed 35 kilograms, which is 77.16 pounds. And it was 29 talents of gold used was 2,125 pounds. They placed 20 boards on each side, making up the frame two sockets of silver under each board of his two tenons, 40 sockets on the south, 40 sockets on the north, 16 on the west, four holding the curtain placed between the Holy of Holy 
and five sockets of, brand, of bronze placed on the each side entrance. The roof was covered in ram skin, dyed red and covered with badger skin, each were 30 cubits by four cubits. 11 curtains of goat skin to cover the tabernacle with 50 rings of gold to hold one to another and finally curtains of fine linen on the inside walls. The curtains enclosed surrounded the court of the tabernacle was a total of 11 cubits by 32.5 cubits. The entrance curtain hung on five pillars on the east side of the courtyard named I Am The Way. And this was found in Exodus 27, 14, also John 14, 6 and Acts 4, 12. There were eight slaughter tables, four on the north side and four on the south side for preparation of sacrificial offering. The, bin, the brazen altar for burnt offerings about a third of the way in. in this is in Exodus 27, 1 through 8 and John 1, 29. The brazen lever, no dimensions are given for the lever, but it was small, light, and portable. The Torah says, it was used for the priests to wash their hands and feet. This was found in Exodus 30, 17 through 21, 40, uh, 30 through 32. It had a basin and a foot. Exodus 30, 28 was made from the bronze plate mirrors of women. Exodus 38, 8 was posted between and slightly to the right as one exited the tabernacle and the brazen altar is Exodus 47, and was anointed and consecrated in the same way as the altar. When the laver was finished, its water was used to give Aaron and his sons a bath for ordination. This was found in Exodus 40, 12 through 15. And after that, they had only to wash their hands and feet in it each time they entered the tabernacle, lest they die, and this is found in Exodus 30, 12, the priests officiated barefoot because they were portraying spiritual reborn persons. These are the most important facts about the lever. They are mentioned here because the temple inherited the tabernacle's priesthood system and regulations applied to both holy structures and the lever and bronze sea. There was only one showbread table, translated Lakman. Hapaman, bread of the face, containing 12 loaves of unleavened bread, one for each tribe, called matzah, meaning that they left the leavening of the sin behind in Egypt. On the left side of the altar of incense was in front and in slightly back from the veil near the entrance of Holy of Holies. The Ark of the Covenant was in the center of the Holy of Holies. Moses tasks Joshua with the job of delivering the Israelites to the promised land. This will be the second parting of the waters recorded in the Bible. Joshua and the people set out from Shittim till they arrived at the edge of the Jordan River. As the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant's feet dipped into the Jordan, the waters parted and the people crossed over on dry ground while the priest stood in the center of the Jordan River with the Ark until all had crossed. A divine voice told Joshua to take 12 stones out from the Jordan waters and place them on the new land that they just entered. One large stone for each tribe. 
replacing them with 12 stones from the new land into the Jordan River. Why? Joshua 4, 6 asks that very same question. Verse 4.47 memorializes the Lord's cutting off of the Jordan waters, but there was something missing. Verse 18 very briefly repeats the account of the Jordan crossing. Well, verse 19 adds that the people camped at Gilgal. When verse 20 provides a highly significant fact that the stones taken out of the Jordan were set up at Gilgal. Then verse 21 and 22 provides the question asked in verse 6. What do the stones mean? Verse 23 and 24 add the comparison to the Red Sea crossing to the enigma of the stones is parted resolved by two words, Gilgal and circumcision. Verse 5 and 9 symbolizes the removal and the reproach, shame of the disgrace of Egypt, the 12 stones and the shame that was rolled away. Verse 5, 2, no man or woman who had, who had made the Red Sea crossing were alive. The new generation, all the men were then circumcised and they remained there till they were healed. The Gilgal relates to four things. The Jordan event signifies that men becoming newly reborn spiritually upon crossing because the spirit of God descended upon them and fused with their spirit as they crossed its waters. Jordan means the descender. Two, the 12 stones inserted into the river signifies death to the old sinful self, clearly relating to the figurative drowning of the Egyptian army in the Red Sea, Nehemiah 9, 9 through 11. The pursuing Egyptians are depicted as a stone hurled into the Red Sea, the 12 smooth stones taken out, life and holiness, a new spiritual beginning, symbolizing two statuses before and after circumcision. Three, However, the circumcision of the flesh itself is only symbolic of the circumcision of the heart. Casting the circumcised flesh into the mound symbolizes casting away sin. The specific area of Gilgal where they were circumcised was now named Gibbeth Haraluth, Hill of the Foreskins. And this was found in Joshua 5.3. They crossed the Jordan on the 10th of Abib. Joshua 4:19, a day normally reserved for selecting the Passover lamb. And this is found in Exodus 12:3. The Passover is on the 14th, and the first Passover was celebrated in the new land. This ends the lesson. Talk about your research and why are we starting with Moses' tabernacle? Yeah, well, actually, we, we could go back a little farther to uh, the Tower of Babel. When God confused their language, they lost the written word. And I have a picture out of one of my books. I think it came from uh, Dr. Oliver. It had a picture of the tabernacle. And then all 12 tribes and the four banners were all in Egyptian hieroglyphics. And then after um, the Tenth Commandments was written and God renewed the Hebrew language, the Hebrew language was underneath the Egyptian hieroglyphics, which is really kind of cool. So, oh, wow. That is cool. Yeah. And, and so that's why all the uh, 
letters in the Hebrew language are holy letters because of the fact that um, they were written with God's hand. You know, he gave them to him. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. But <laughs> but yeah, I got I got all kinds of stuff here. <laughs> no, I think we all look forward to putting this journey together and explaining more about our Masonic uh, ritual and understanding the uh, references to the various different groups that have lived along the years, you know, the Egyptians, the Hebrews, and, you know, basically anywhere in the Middle East area of where a lot of this and where a lot of this comes from. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people, they don't, they don't think about why King Solomon's temple was built in that particular spot. And, and this kind of podcast number two kind of actually puts, puts it right in place where it belongs. It all started with, with the portable tabernacle. That's pretty cool too. No, I think it's, you know, I'm excited for our Masonic journey that we have here. And I'm excited that we have you and companion Estes to, to kind of guide us and help answer some of our questions as we, as we try to understand more about, about where we came from and where, where our fraternity stands and where we got some of the lessons that have been handed down to us. Yeah. You have any questions, Jeff? Um, yeah, I did have a couple. How, how often would the tabernacle have been moved since it was portable? Well, Great question. Uh, they, they said that, you know, the traveled around in the desert for like 40 years. And a lot of the older people were, they all passed away. That's why when the, the new generation crossed over the Jordan, they all had to be circumcised because they didn't do it while they were traveling around in the desert. And as far as it was moved, as many times it was moved, I really don't know. I mean, I could probably research it and figure it out. They only probably moved when they ran out of manna or uh, food for the animals, you know, because God gave them the manna. So they always had food for them. But No, very yeah. interesting. No, very interesting question. That's, uh, you know, after putting all that stuff up, the last thing you want to do is take it all down. Be interesting. Yeah. To, it'd be interesting to know if there's a, an account of how many times they had to do that. But uh, yeah. You bring up a good well, point. Yeah, I can I can look it up, but um, yeah, I even have uh, pictures. It actually showed how the tenons and the sockets fit in. I mean, I've got stuff from Israel, pictures of all kinds of stuff. I think I showed some of them to you the last time. And there, the other really cool thing was uh, that I discovered there was actually another wall, and it was about a foot and a half thick. And it was, uh, what do they call it? The um, doorway of confusion. Because you know, if you entered the Holy of Holies without being prepared, you were struck dead right there. And so you could stand in this little doorway and decide whether you want to go in or not before you get struck dead. You know, they gave you so much, they gave you a little leeway there. But yeah. It's it's actually uh, I actually have diagrams of the uh, tabernacle and and the uh, Solomon's temple themselves and and uh, so I mean I've got really kind of neat. <laughs> yeah, no, that is cool. But I didn't I didn't put that into the tabernacle, but that that wall was actually in the tabernacle one. The uh, King Solomon's temple that was set up a little different, and God actually uh, lived in that that attic space he was present there uh the drawing of the tabernacle they had like a little tornado 
over the Holy of Holies. That's, that's oh wow. Yeah, I mean that that's old the old drawings, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so uh it's just kind of cool stuff, but Yeah, you know, no, really cool. Yeah, so that that's I'm into this stuff. <laughs> so I I I like to get anybody's input that I can and uh sure. do anything, but yeah. Did you have a did you have another question there, Jeff? Uh actually I was going to give you a little background that Yeah, go uh, right ahead. The reason we're talking about the tabernacle stems from a, the very first conversation that Gary and I had where we were talking about, I said I was kind of interested in learning more about King Solomon's temple. And Gary said, you really can't do it justice or you can't really have as thorough an understanding of King Solomon's temple if you don't first understand the tabernacle and how it was laid out and why and, and situated because so many of those requirements carried over into Solomon's temple. And so that's how we started here. We, we just decided to back up a step from where I had originally asked the question. And, and Gary's filled in just a ton of information for us with starting with the tabernacle now. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate that. But yeah, a lot of the stuff I found was in Exodus, uh, in, a, in the book of Exodus. Um, and the tabernacle, this, this first podcast it was kind of a technical one rather than the storyline kind of like we had in, in the podcast number two so it if it, it flowed a little better because you get a lot of information you know you, you tend not to pay much attention to it but uh it is the beginning of how it all worked down to the to King Solomon's temples. Hopefully. Well, just like in the beginning was the word, in this case, it was in the beginning, there was the tabernacle. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like I said, the um, some of the stuff in the tabernacle was passed down to King Solomon's temple, like the, uh, the brazen uh, laver. Um, and then, you know, you had, you had the altar and you had the Ark of the Covenant and uh, King Solomon, he was the one that donated the gold for the the ten foot angels to be over the you know the garden mm -hmm. over the ark of the covenant. And the other thing I haven't when we get to King Solomon's temple is really cool because there's a stone Jacob's ladder. We'll have to get into that one too. But there's a stone that supposedly Jacob slept on. And anyway, the ark of the covenant sat on this stone. And the stone floats about six inches off of the ground. So I mean, it's it's. Uh, I mean, this is all Hebrew uh, history uh, from their archives. So I mean, it's some cool stuff. But, no, that's yeah. uh, no, it's going to be really interesting. I think we're all looking forward to. I think you've given everybody some snippets and some uh, some feelers about some of the future episodes that we're going to have. But you know, I think you you've definitely started us off in the right direction and. And learning more about you know King Solomon's Temple, why it's important, and how it fits better in our in our history. That's where we are. <laughs> Anything else, Jeff? Nope, that's all I had. We hope you have enjoyed listening to the Ninth Arch, a Masonic podcast where we take a deeper look at the Council of Cryptic Masons. Join us next time for another in-depth discussion. And don't forget to check out our Facebook group, The Ninth Arch. Thank you for joining us today, and may peace be with you on your travels.